Welcome to Break Free, a podcast dedicated to men and women who need to break the cycle in their lives that's preventing them from moving forward. Today, I'll be speaking with Lynette Simmons, a woman who have overcome many obstacles in her life, but her biggest obstacle was breaking free from a long-term relationship. Lynette? Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Excited to be here. Can you hear me okay? I can. I hear you perfectly. Good. Good. I want you to start from the beginning and just kind of let us know, I guess, from when you met your husband at the beginning of the relationship to when the abuse started. Can you just take us down that timeline? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I met my ex-husband in 80, let's see, I got married in 87. So I met him in 86. And um, just at the time, you know, just kind of going back to what was going on in my life, because I think that that is really um, what set me up to, you know, marry the man that I've married, because, you know, it never starts with at that certain point. And so, um, you know, prior to that, um, I was having, you know, some issues at home. And um, my mom was just kind of struggling with her own, her own issues um, and going through a divorce. And so there were a lot of things that were that were going on at home. My stepdad um, had gotten addicted to drugs. And um, and so, you know, the situation in my house was just really kind of tense. And and because my mom was going through so much, you know, even though we lived at the beach and I had everything that I needed, I still in looking back at that time, you know, she really could not give me what I needed. Um, because she was going through her own stuff. So, you know, fast forward, um, I meet, I'm introduced to my ex-husband by a friend. And, um, you know, she says, he's a really nice guy and, and I would like you to meet him. And so we went out on a date. Um, he was very shy. Um, but what was interesting is that he always showed up on time and, that's a plus. It, it, it's a plus. It was, but I, I did not necessarily find out what that was connected with until later on in the years that we were married. Okay. And so, um, so, you know, he was very charming. Um, you know, we had a good time together. Um, I could talk to him. Um, and so I, you know, there was an attraction that happened for both of us. Well, you know, what he was going through in his own, um, in his own personal life, his father was dealing with drug addiction. Um, So you see there's two correlations that um, him and I both were dealing with. His dad was dealing with drug addiction. Um, His mom had moved out of the house. He was in college at the time when she moved out. She didn't even know, he didn't even know that she had moved out. And so, you know, he came home to a home that was completely disrupted from, you know, what he had left. And so the pain of what we were going through 
is actually what attracted us together. Mm, I see. And so in that, um, it was a recipe for destruction. Um, so it was as if you two, I mean, you guys were both going through a lot of pain and you kind of suppress the pain with your relationship. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and I think for me, looking for something in a man that I should have been looking for within myself. Um, because, you know, I had certain issues with my dad and, and so all of that played into my decision-making, you know, from what was going on in my home, from my relationship with my father, it all played into the man that I chose to marry. And so, um, so anyway, you know, we were dating and so, you know, what was interesting is that he had shown signs of um, being controlling. But in my 18-year-old mind, 19-year-old mind, I'm thinking that it was cute. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Elaborate on the signs that he was showing. So one, um, I remember one time I was in the car with my uncle and um, he used to call me all the time. That's sign number one. He would call me all the time. Um, but in that, like I said, I didn't realize that there was a sickness behind that. You know? Like, how often was he calling you? What made it um, excessive? <sighs> he would call and then he would call back again. If I didn't answer the phone, he would call back again. It was just always needing to know where I was at every moment of the day. Oh, I see. And so. You know, I'm thinking, oh, this is cute. He loves me. He cares about me. But that that wasn't the case at all. Um, then I was in the car, uh, like I said, with my uncle one day. And he, he came to, I think I was at my grandmother's house. And he came to my grandmother's house. And me and my uncle were going somewhere. And he was following us. And. Wow. Still, I still did not see that there was a problem. Um, so, you know, fast forward, uh, we were at his house one day and we were in an argument. Um, this was probably about maybe about a year after um, we were dating and we got into an argument and he just hauled off and slapped the living daylight out of me in my face. Wow. And that was the first time he had that was the first um, time that he had physically put his hands on me. Because you know with abuse what happens with abuse is that there's a grooming period. And so the grooming period is where you know they're very charming you know, abusive men are very charming, very manipulative, um, will give you the world, but it's all a form of control. It's all a form of you doing what it is that they want you to do. So they use that in order to, um, in order to do that. But, you know, they're very um, wise in the women that they choose. 
because they choose women usually who have low self-esteem, which is what I had at the time. Um, uh, women who have um, maybe issues with their fathers, you know, um, because, you know, when we have issues with our fathers that we haven't addressed, we take that into our relationships. And so, you know, my mom, you know, was in several different abusive relationships. And so I saw that. And even though I was telling myself that I wasn't going to end up in that type of relationship, I ended up in that type of relationship. That's interesting. Yeah, because, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I know that, you know, it's, it's going to all come together. But, but you know, when we see things or um, when we see things as children, what we're seeing and what is being said, if it's, if it's contradicting each other, we're going to, in our subconscious mind, we're going to believe the dysfunction. We're going to believe what we're seeing more so than what is coming out of our mouths. You know what I mean? Is it subconscious? You think it's kind of a subconscious Absolutely. Belief? I do. Be- yeah. That it, you're not even aware that it's Absolutely. There. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, if we haven't been taught as women who we are and our power and, you know, um, how God made us and the, the beauty that he's made us in, then we take the beliefs of this world. And a lot of times because our mothers have not been taught, you know, their own value, they then give that to their daughters and our value doesn't come from the things that we acquire our value doesn't come from our education our value doesn't come from our men it comes from god and so when we really understand that god has made us in his image and his likeness and that he made woman last really to be the crowning glory of man when we really understand that then we won't make the decisions that we make in our relationships. Right. So take me back to when he first hit you. What was your first response? Shock. Pure shock. Did you think of leaving or were you, What I mean, what was your state of mind at that time? <sighs> I think in looking back on it, um, I was definitely shocked that he had hit me, but I had saw abuse. So the minute that he hit me and the minute that he started apologizing, in my mind, I started rationalizing it. I see. Because what happens is, is that whatever it is that we believe, if something happens contradictory to that, the mind is going to resort back to survival. It's going to resort back to, you know, what you already know. Oh, he didn't mean it. Oh, he's going to change. Oh, it's okay. It's just one time. Right. So from that point, once he hit you, let's fast forward a year or two later. How bad did it get? It was, um, we had actually, actually we had like, um, there was always, you know, when I talked to you about 
there was always a grooming period. There was always a, um, what do they call it? It's a, um, there's, there's periods that are in between the abuse and it's not called grooming. I forgot the name of it, but it's like a, a boiling up point that happens. And so what I had noticed is that we would go a couple months, like three to six months, and then the the physical abuse would happen, but there was more mental abuse and emotional abuse than anything. So when we got married, so before we got married, I remember going to his home and I remember how clean he used to be, very clean. Um, his room was clean to the point where everything was lined up. There were um, vacuum lines in the carpet. He was always extremely clean. His car was clean. Everything was clean. And like I said, you look at you look at it. Me, I looked at it at that time as, oh, this is like really nice. He's real organized. He's real. So we get married. And the interesting thing about it is that I got pregnant before we got married. Oh. And so in looking back on it, I got married because I was pregnant. I didn't get married because I was in love. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So by the time, so you had just had a baby then when he originally. No, we were still, we weren't even married then. This is before we were, um, before we were married that he hit me. So fast forward, um, my oldest son was born in 87. We had just recently got married and, um, And it was, it was just a very, very oppressive marriage. And I say that because he was, um, he has an obsessive compulsive behavior. So everything in the house had to be clean. Um, Then on top of that, he was controlling. So he wanted to know everything that was going on with me. The calling that I had told you about earlier, it, it was magnified. Um, he would be at work. He would call me literally when I say all day, all day long. Now, mind you, I had a newborn baby at home. And yeah. so, you know, between the calling, the um, the compulsiveness in cleaning, the just... It was it was a very very difficult marriage. Um, okay, how long was your marriage? How long? Yeah, how long? Twenty four years. Oh wow! So with this abuse, what opened your eyes? Your twenty four years of you know physical and emotional abuse. Um, I think that for years I had been contemplating leaving. Um but I really didn't know how because I ended up having seven children. Um, I had six when we were married, um, one uh, after we were divorced, and that's a whole nother story. Um, and so I, I just knew that, I just knew that if I stayed, I would not have had a life. I knew that um, at the time that I left, I can honestly say that I hated him. Um, And I did not want that because he was still the father of my children. 
you know. Um, But I knew that I had to go. That particular day, I, I believe, I remember it so vividly because I knew in my mind that I had to leave. I, I just had enough. It was just so um, emotionally um, depleting. I was cleaning up 24 hours a day. I was trying to raise children. At one point, I was trying to work. Um, he expected the house to be clean. He did not help me with the children. He did not help me to clean up the house, but he had all these expectations. And um I was just emotionally drained. And so um, the day that I left, I left, I made the decision that I was going to leave. I never thought I would have made that decision. Um, I left, I left my children with him because I did not know where I was going to go. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stop you for just a second. So after 24 years of tolerating this, what finally gave you the courage to leave? Because obviously you didn't have that courage prior to that. What gave you the courage to finally say, I can do this? You know what, um, Pam, all I could probably say is it was God because I never had the courage before. And I knew that day that I had heard a voice say, it's time to go. Because I never had the courage to leave. And did you have the, you weren't working. So did you have the finances to leave? I was was a stay-at-home mom. I never went to college. I allowed him to go to college while I stayed home and took care of the children. I had nothing but the clothes on my back. Where did you go? Um, I went to a friend's house. And I asked them if I could um, stay over there. And so um, I stayed in a room uh, over there for probably about six months. And, um, but the, the interesting part of this story, and I tell this part of the story because I want women to understand that I understand why you stay. You know, so many people always say, well, why did you stay in that? And why did you why did you deal with that? I understand why women stay, because you have been emotionally abused for so long that they have pretty much taken everything that you've had. And so, you know, I was going back. I was going back to his home to to just to show you how ill I was in my mind. I was going back to the house every day because he knew I loved my children. But, and so that was his, his connection of keeping me still under control, even though we were divorced, he would use the children. So after you left, you left the children with him. You went to live with a friend of yours, but you were still going back and still caring for the Absolute, household. Yes. You were cooking, yes. you were cleaning, or ironing. I was doing everything. Doing all that stuff. And then sleeping at your friend's house. Yeah, and at times sleeping with him. Oh. And that's how wow. I ended up getting pregnant with our seventh child. 
My goodness. Because what I always, what I, what I say is that you have to mentally connect, disconnect. And I didn't, I, I left, I physically disconnected, but I didn't mentally disconnect. Wow. So what stopped that? So you, it sounds like you went through different phases. I did. Your first, you, know, you know what I mean? So you had your first phase where you first had the idea of leaving. The second phase was physically, you actually left. The third phase was mentally, you had not right. left. And so finally, you had to get to a point where not only were you physically gone, but you're now actually mentally yes. gone. And when did that take place and what made that happen? Um, it started, um, the, the mental detachment started, honestly, once I got pregnant, um, because he was the same person that he had been when we were married. So now here it is, I'm pregnant and I'm still looking for something from him that he has never been able to give. And so I um, was pretty much almost homeless. I was pregnant. I had no money um, because I didn't have a job. He wouldn't give me any money. He wouldn't go to the doctor's appointments with me. He was not involved in, in my pregnancy because his whole goal was for me to come back. And so he felt like, okay, if, if I do this, she's going to have to come back. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't have, she's going to have to come back. And so it started with that because, you know, once I was pregnant, there were moments where I would be like, okay, I need to maybe try to make this work. So my daughter can, will know her father. And, um, so after, you know, I had my, my daughter, I went back to his house. When I went back to his house, um, at the time, um, my one of my uh, other daughters was pregnant as well. So we were pregnant at the same time. And um, wow. her boyfriend had been killed in LA. She was still pregnant. And so I told her to come with me, even though I barely had any place to live, but she was so mentally distraught and she was pregnant. And I just, I was so concerned about her. And so I told her to come with me. So we were together, like going through this, this situation together, living in a, in a room, um, that was probably the size of a closet. And, um, so anyway, you know, fast forward, I have the baby and I decide, okay, let me try to at least go back and see if we can try to figure this out. He had us sleeping on a let out couch, me and my daughter who were pregnant. Now, mind you, this is and how old was she at uh, the time? She was probably about 20, let's see, maybe about 23. Okay. And um and so we were sleeping um in the front in the living room on a let out bed with a match with with a mattress that was about two inches thick. I had a newborn baby. Um there was a huh? Which, which was his baby. Um, and I used to have to put a hat on her head at night because there was a window right there. And he was sleeping in his room with a huge California King bed, never offered to give us his bed, never, you know, just. 
And so, um, were you still sleeping no. with him at that time? Mm-mm, no. Okay. Um, Got it. And so we ended up getting into an altercation at his house. He ended up calling the police on me because I told him that I wasn't leaving without my children. He ended up calling the police on me. By that time, my parents had um, co-signed for me an apartment. And, um, and so we had gotten the apartment, but I never said anything to him. And so um, we were just kind of waiting for us to be able to get the keys. And, you know, God is always good because I think I had the keys at the time. I did. I had just gotten the keys. And, um, And so that night when the police came, they made me leave. And I had to drive with my daughter who was pregnant, who was just crying, and Ara, who was probably about two or three weeks old in my van at two o'clock in the morning. We had to drive all the way to Lancaster. And and he made you yeah. leave. This is why you're the police and he made you leave. So let's fast forward because obviously we can get the full picture of who this person is and how you were mentally kind of bound to yeah. him for a while. When did your life start to change for the better? <sighs> when I met my husband. <laughs> My new husband. Yeah. When I met my new husband. Um, Because I knew that I know now that God definitely sent him for me during this time, during that time, Um, because he was really the one that was letting me know that I'm valuable and that I deserve better. Because at the time I wasn't even getting, um, I wasn't even getting alimony. I didn't even request alimony. Um, he had the children, so he didn't have to pay child support. He wasn't giving me child support for our. I had Ara, but he wasn't giving me child support for her. So there were so many dynamics going on because of my mental capacity at that time. And so when my husband came, he was like, "What do?" You, really, what are you doing? You gave this man 25 years of your life. Why are you not expecting more from him? And it was a journey for me. You know, it was a journey. I ended up going to, um, I did end up getting my children back. Um, I did end up going to file for child support. It took several years for me to get it. Um, but that is really when my life started changing. Then fast forward, um, I was a Muslim for over 10 years. And, um, but I was really, um, I didn't have a relationship with God. Um, and, and I was desiring that and I was yearning for that. And so my husband invited me to um, some Bible study classes for women. And um, because he is a Christian and, and he was when we met and, you know, very active in church. And so he invited me and I started going. And to be clear, you were a Muslim when you were married. Yes. To your pastor. Yes. And your, your new husband was a Christian. And yes. That's when you. Yes. Christianity. And so even in, okay. in that, it was like, OK, God, why did you send this man? Who's a Christian? Like, <laughs> So, um, so anyway, um, you know, started going to classes and, um, 
And, you know, then me and my husband ended up getting married. This was like four years later, ended up getting married. Um, and I gave my life to Christ that same year that I got married. And, um, and so my life started changing then, but I still had not made the mental break that I needed because now, you know, I'm in the midst of, I just converted from Islam to Christianity. So I was going through that battle. Um, my grandmother ended up being murdered that same year that we got married. My husband lost his job. It was like everything that could have happened to us in our first year of marriage happened. And it was by the grace of God that we stayed together. Um, We're a blended family. We were going through those issues. My husband ended up losing his grandmother. It was just so much that happened. Um, But what I found is that it made our marriage stronger because we made it through. Fast forward, um, 2020, the year that we're in right now, um, I started, you know, I had been desiring um, to experience more joy in my life and more happiness because I knew that there was something missing. Um, Because when you go through years of abuse, there's a lot of layers that you have to take off. Um, And there's still a lot more layers that I have to take off. Um, But I really had to start doing a lot of work on myself. Because even though, you know, my ex-husband did some things that, you know, um, that he should not have done, um... I allowed those things to happen in my life. And so one of the things that, um, that I've been working on and I'm still working on is my forgiveness work. Um, my work of loving Renee, because at the end of the day, and I say this to all women that we can blame our abuser, but it will always come back to us. It will always come back to, why did I make those choices? Why did I allow someone to treat me this way? Why did I put myself in this situation? Because if you don't do your work on yourself, you will continue to be in bondage. And we can change our lives. No one else has the power to change our lives but God. And so I had to really, really dig deep into Lynette and I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive him. Um, But I had to do more forgiving of myself, more forgiving of not honoring my body, the body that God gave to me, not honoring who I am, not honoring my children because I wasn't my whole self. Right. You know, so, and I'm still doing the work, but I feel more free in doing the work on yes. me like never before. Because when I was in that, that thinking of blaming him, mm-hmm. I was still in bondage to him. Yes. 
So if you had to describe who Lynette was then and who Lynette is now, how would you compare the two? There's no comparison. And I say that because the Lynette that I was then was weak, um, scared, insecure, confused, um, ignorant to a lot of things, depressed, hopeless. The Lynette today is a God-fearing, confident woman who knows that whatever it is that I desire in my life, I have the ability to get it, that I am a beautiful queen that God has made because he made me in his image and his likeness, and that I have no limitations in my life. And I know that, and I'm comfortable with me. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm learning to trust me, to trust my word, my thinking, because God has downloaded so much in me to serve others, but first and foremost to serve myself. And so I am so excited about this second chapter of my life, and I'm 52 years old. I'm so excited about it. And I just want to share with the women that don't ever think that there's not a way out because God always provides a way out and yes do not suffer in silence that is how abuse grows in silence that's why there's so much separation and they they take you away from your family do not you can make it. We are beautiful women. We are strong women. And so there is nothing that you can't do. And I've been there. I felt the feeling of hopelessness. I felt the feeling of wanting to take my life. I felt the feeling of, you know, what am I going to do? I have all these children. I don't have a job. I don't. You just have to trust in God because he has you. He carried me those four years that I was out in the wilderness. He carried me. He took care of me. He provided for me. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy, but it was necessary for me to get to where I am today. Okay. Grateful for my ex-husband. I'm grateful for what we went through. I'm grateful for was because it made me who I am today right and I can teach I can teach women that you don't have to stay right well if do you have any last statements that you'd like to say um I just want to say that you know we're awesome women Mm -hmm. we're awesome you're awesome. Love yourself. In the morning, when you get up, before you do anything, take care of yourself. Yes. When I get up in the morning, I take care of Renee Lynette first. So take care of yourself. Get with other women who have what you want and listen 
and do what it is that they tell you to do. Grow your relationship with God, whatever you say you believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. That's what gave me life. So grow your relationship in Christ. But I I just want to say I love all of you because my passion is women. My passion is uplifting women. And if there's anything else that I could do for anybody, then please let me know. Okay. And thank you for this time, Pam. Of course. (laughs) If Lynette's story is also your story, please make a decision today to change your life. If Lynette can do it with no money and not even having a place to go, so can you. God is with you. He will protect you. He will guide you. But make a decision today to trust him. Mm, Yes. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lynette. Bye now. Mm -hmm.